Welcome to Outwit Outplay Out Pod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about Survivor Season 45, Episode 7, The Thorn in My Thumb. Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode? The individual immunity idols look like a children's arts and craft project. What was the budget on that? Also, it's in sharp contrast to the group immunity, which I thought was beautiful. I really loved the pelican. the pelican. I thought it kind of like matched the vibe and wasn't too out there. It seemed well done. This, those feathers are from Michael's in the sales department. The budgets are low. Time for production was low. It looks like an afterthought. Do yeah. Better. I'm just going to quote my notes that I took live as I was watching oh, the e- watching the episode. <laughs> Vibrant feathered immunity necklace looks a little too crafty. Crafty is cheap. Yeah, crafty means cheap. Okay, great fire take. We're on the complete same page. Uh, my fire take this week is that Katura messed up. I'm really sad, and it's not just because I'm salty because her decision ended up leading to Caleb going home. I'm really worried about Katura. This won't get her any credit with Reba, is my concern. She's alienated everyone on Bello. When these two groups merge, people will be like, what the hell? You just, you voted out Caleb instead of trying to take out a Reba? And Jake will inform on her? She's going to be on an island all on her own, and as much as I'm rooting for the girl... I don't know. I kind of wouldn't be surprised if Bruce Bruce ends up outlasting her in the game, which that's where the real money is. I want the, <laughs> the Bruce versus Katura side bets is kind of where a lot of my interest is going. Should and we I'm have worried. a side bet? We should. We I'm should taking Katura's side, side on the side bet. Okay, I'm going to take Bruce. Okay. Let's keep it interesting. Great. We'll have to assign stakes to that. Um, All right, folks. Well, coming up on the pod, we're going to break down this week's episode, gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal, and this is a special episode in honor of Merge Madness. We're going to return to our roots with some fun and games. We got to do it. We got to do it to them. Um, But Kayla, before we get into the fun segment of this week's episode, shall we dive into the recap? Dive in. Let's do it. All right, folks. So... At the Dakuwaku camp, which apparently was named off-screen, Caleb is still recovering from his shot-in-the-dark success. Bruce puts Katura on the spot in front of Reba, outing her for her hesitance about voting Caleb out. Overall, the Bello tribe continues to sour on Bruce, but Kelly thinks Bruce's loyalty makes the annoyance worth it. Emily claims to have Caleb's back, but she decided it's time to distance herself, and Caleb, it's his turn to seek mending fences with Bruce. That means enduring his lectures and football metaphors in a conversation that Caleb ends up calling the most frustrating survivor conversation of his life. Bruce rejects Kelly's advice to rein it in, and Jake is busily trying to keep the family happy, but gosh darn knows he's not succeeding. At the immunity challenge, we have a classic clamp onto a pole endurance test, but there are a couple twists. Jeff divides the tribe into two groups, which means two immunity necklaces and two tribal councils. The winning group will get to go to tribal second, guaranteeing them a spot on the jury. And eventually, we're left with a Kelly versus D showdown. And of course, D's big toes come up big. Kelly and D win individual immunity. D wins tacos for her crew, but still, everyone is heading to tribal. Kayla, I wanted to lead off. This is a classic survivor immunity challenge. Where you I just hold loved, it onto that pole. I love this one. I love this challenge. What I'm curious about is. How would you fare if you were to be a contestant in this one? I actually think there was some episode we did where it was what 
immunity challenge you think you could actually win and i think we both chose some variety of just stand there on a pole and don't do anything yeah but this is one that i actually think i would eat up here's why Mm -hmm. i think men generally are poorly suited for this challenge because of hip mobility like i think you need to be able to like have your legs and hips up near your face in order to like maintain a certain center of gravity which allows you to use less strength to hang on to the pole and i think if you are too tall like we saw this with what's his name with the glasses drew i was forgetting his name drew he was doing well because yeah, i think of was. his he's very slim and yeah. so his strength to body weight ratio was kind of where it needed to be <laughs> okay. but he was too tall and once he lost it like your legs are on the ground like there's not a lot of space for you to recover where i feel like the ladies were a little more compact listeners you don't know compact. this i'm a little more compact <laughs> I, I think i really would have eaten this one up yeah you know i i'm more of a drew frame in terms of what my body <laughs> proportions are doing so I tend to think that you're correct. I don't know that this would be my challenge. I do like the endurance challenges. I think anything that's mind over matter, I just feel like I was thinking about this the other day. I think I would probably hire like a sports psychologist if I was going to be. Are you serious? A hundred percent. Because this, a challenge like this is completely mental game in my opinion. Like it is about pain tolerance. Is it? I think so. I think I think you made a good point about sort of the compactness is helpful, and clearly, like Dee and Kelly, we're we're talking about sort they're of they're the similar, same. I feel like they proved my friends. point. Yeah, they are compact ladies. Yeah, fair enough. But obviously, you know, Dee has the secret weapon. He did weapon. have the mental toughness. Well, mental toughness is one of the secret weapons. And the big toes. I love the big toe callback. And I also said this in another episode where I was like, "You shouldn't have been so loud about your big toes because." Right. It's right. gonna come back and it came back today. Yeah, well Austin warns Dee later in the episode that her threat level appears to be rising and yeah, I mean that's sort of on her for sort of laying the big toe breadcrumbs. <laughs> <laughs> People also had thoughts about whether it was okay to have two people go to tribal where only one was going to the going to be on the jury yeah. after the merge. Yeah. And I was kind of thinking about this and if I like the split into two teams, which they've been doing instead of going straight into individual immunity challenges. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, uh, here's what I feel. My going into this season, I feel like this season has kind of changed my perspective on this, to be honest. Going hmm. into this season, I was definitely a purist where I'm okay with group competition as long as the competition is along tribe assigned lines but anything that is a random draw i'm just like to me it's like you're inserting too much luck into the game Mm -hmm. and it's like the idea that someone could be going home because of which color rock they drew from a bag has never sat right with me however the new era of survivor has made very clear that part of its value proposition is we are always constantly going to be unsettling the terrain on which the survivors stand They're always changing the equation. And I think because that has become a central premise of the show in recent seasons, I'm more okay with this. Like You're getting on board. Yes, I'm getting on board. The game is about adapting to twists now in a way that it wasn't always previously. And so I'm kind of okay with it. And apparently the way the season is set, set up, they always need to have an episode where there is a double elimination. My really? own theory... Yeah, just with the numbers and the number of episodes. My theory is that they build that in as a buffer in case you have, like, multiple injury medevacs. Oh. And then you could always pivot to address that by having a single And just having one. Yeah, so I also think it's a pragmatic sort of production choice. I'll give you that. What do you think? I was thinking about this a lot. Because I was 
in my mind, I was like, oh, I don't really care. It's fine. But someone, and I forget which castaway said this, but they had noted that so much of their experience on the island thus far has been so randomized. Like they were on the tribes, but then the tribes switched. They had not one, but two competitions that were based on them choosing rocks. And I did think that yeah. was kind of true where it's hard to build these alliances. And I did feel that now we're halfway through the season and I don't have a good sense of like, who is about to be in cahoots with who, where typically at this portion of the season, I feel Mm. like we have a better understanding of who's been in conversation, who will probably align. And this feels like, aside from the original tribal lines, like Old Bella, Old Rebo, which, you know, I don't even really believe are ever going to come back together. I have no idea who could end up with who. Yeah, I think you really get it at the heart of it there. The question of whether you like this sort of dividing into groups thing is whether you prefer a survivor in which group boundaries are constantly unsettled so people have to adapt and form new alliances or if you prefer a story where you can actually tell like what are the boundaries because these folks have made the merge and it is not clear to them who's on whose side yeah because they've been doing all these twists (laughs) yeah yeah the the central narrative of the post-merge era has not emerged yet because of everything the producers are doing to change the game All right, so second part of the recap, and I'm gonna structure this recap a little differently. Since we have two groups going to tribal, I'm gonna follow the thread of each group all the way through the end of tribal council. Does that sound all right to you, Kayla? Okay, cool. Um, So let's start by talking about the losing group. So that's Kelly, Kendra, Bruce, Sifu, Drew, and Emily. As punishment for their loss, this group has to go back to the old Lulu camp. And that's a pretty big problem for Drew, who left his safety without power advantage back at the merge camp. Two members of this crew seem at risk from pretty early on. That's Sifu, because he's on the outs in a majority Bellow group, and Bruce, because he's wearing everyone's patience very thin, as previously mentioned. Kendra is pushing hard for Bruce initially, but Kelly is doing her best to play diplomat. Bruce is suspicious and tells Kelly that he'll probably end up playing his idol. Fast forward at Tribal Council, it seems like Sifu knows the jig is up and sadly, he's right. Bruce does not even bother to play his idol and Sifu ends up going home. What did you make of the storyline this episode? I was way off base because I thought Kendra was a little too loud in this episode and was going to get herself taken out. Yeah. And therefore busting my bracket, which we made last week and I was not happy about that. Um, But yeah, I think Sifu was the obvious answer. It seems... I could never tell... They did not flesh his storyline out enough for me to tell why people didn't like him. Yeah. In my mind, I'm just thinking he's annoying, but... Yeah, he had the failed spy shack scenario early on. He was caught eavesdropping. Oh, that did happen, didn't it? Yeah, and I sort of wonder like how much that sealed his fate because I don't think you come back from that. No. My only problem is I feel like they ended up going with Sifu because he didn't have strong connections. Not because he was a threat yes, to win the game. Yes, I agree. That he kept calling himself a threat and I was like, who said that about you? Yeah. I'm not sure. No. Who said that? <laughs> no. Yeah, like he was not holding on to that pole for very long. Maybe two seconds. I was yeah. like, which I also thought I was, I kind of thought he would be better given his athletic, like martial arts yeah. background where I was mm-hmm. like, this feels like mind and body connecting. 
and it no it yeah. didn't connect for him yeah I've, i haven't found the linebacker build to be particularly <laughs> successful <laughs> to be particularly successful in survivor challenges it, t- it tends to favor the sort of like aussies the like sinewy lean, the lean yeah <laughs> Wow, sinewy. I didn't expect that adjective to come up. But yeah, the sinewy swimmers, I feel like, fare quite well in Survivor Challenges. This is unrelated, but it has me thinking. What are your thoughts about leaving your bag at Core Challenges? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty easy to hate on Drew because, you know, there's a, certainly a school of thought that you bring your bag everywhere. What I wanted to do, but I didn't end up having time to do, was to go back and see if anyone brought their bag that's also what i was thinking did you notice i didn't notice it seemed like there were when they panned his bag it seemed like there was at least one other bag i think in the shot yeah back at camp because my only thought is like is it a giveaway that you might have an advantage or if you bring your bag everywhere exactly yeah okay so yeah i'm not i'm not hating on drew i think it is a little peculiar that drew was never a candidate to be voted out in this episode when they did the picking of rocks and i was listening i immediately screamed out oh drew's getting eliminated right i was like this is this is easy yeah because the alliance his alliance with austin is so clear his alliance with reba is super clear if you told me it was drew and caleb sure but the whole seafood thing threw me off i was like do they think this guy's an easy foe or that they'd become a target from Austin and Dee and the rest of them if they took him out. Like, mm. I don't know what the story yeah. is. It does seem like these people are operating from a, I don't want to piss off people who are on in the other group. Yes. We heard that a lot. They yeah. were like, oh, people probably wouldn't care if we voted it out this yeah. person. Which is not something I feel we've heard in recent Survivor memory, trying to play what your yeah. opposing tribe thinks. Like, trying to keep them happy instead of being it's in... It's a shame. In conflict. It's a shame. It's a bit of a walking on eggshell situation, it seems. Um, I have to say, this uh, this part of the episode was big ups for anyone who picked Kelly as sole survivor, which, just speaking hypothetically, <laughs> right. of course. <laughs> I just was pretty freaking amazed by what Kelly impressive. does here. Like, very Kendra is, first of all, Kendra, not an easy person to manage. No. No. And she is dead set against Bruce. And Kelly's skill, to me, the best proof of it was Kelly tells Kendra at one point, Bruce is a great shield for us. No one will take him to the end because he's so annoying. And then we see Kendra basically verbatim say that in her confessional to the camera. And to me, like... That's how you know it's your messaging. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The best talking points, they operate as, like, inception. And so she is, like, structuring Kendra's thoughts in a, like, pernicious but subtle way that I think is truly the mark of a great Survivor player. It's... It was amazingly well done. Yeah. And typically, I feel the Kelly archetype I'm not su- ever super impressed with. I'm always like, sure, fine. Um, she's doing the Lord's work. Between Kendra and Bruce, the way she speaks to them in soothing tones never gets rattled. She kind of says everything like she's joking, but it's actually dead serious. She's like, I don't know, Bruce. I'm in a silly, goofy mood. Kelly's serious has a heart attack. Yeah. It's, it's interesting <laughs> to contrast Kelly and Caleb, where I find them both to be extraordinarily social players, but Kelly's social game is so subtle. Like, she is, not, looking. she is not on the threat radar, whereas Caleb immediately trips everyone's threat radar with how good he is at the social game. I kind of feel I would be immediately sucked into Caleb's world. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. I feel like I would be like, 
he knows what he's doing. Yeah. I'm just gonna like ride his wave for a while. Yeah, could be. All right, so final leg of the recap here, and we're gonna talk about the winning group from the immunity challenge. So that's D, Julie, Austin, Jake, Katura, and Caleb. So we start with everyone feasting at the sanctuary where bad slogans happen, but it doesn't take long to identify two names at risk. D and Julie are pushing hard for Caleb, especially after he called out their alliance at the last tribal. Austin seems willing to go with the flow, but the drama centers on Caleb, Jake, and Keturah. Jake sees Dee as a huge threat and he wants to disarm her by voting out Julie. He thinks that if they can force a 3-3 tie, they can then convince Austin to join them in voting Julie instead of drawing rocks. In a survivor first, we flash forward to tribal council where we see Dee writing Caleb's name down, Jake writing Julie's name down, and Jeff showing the first two votes. Meanwhile, back in the present, Caleb decides to tell Katura about Bruce's idol because he's worried Austin will reveal it before they get a chance. Katura is pretty taken aback that she was left in the dark, and ultimately, it seems like the fate of the vote rests in her hands. At Tribal, Jake and Caleb vote for Julie, but Katura sides with the Reba 3. Caleb has to take a minute to collect himself. He's clearly shocked, shocked, and meanwhile, Jeff ends up snuffing his torch. It was so sad to see Caleb depart. I don't think that there's a Survivor fan in America who is happy with this result. I was result. so sad. I was sad. Yeah. Moment of silence. Pour one out for the homies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like, and you know, my fire take was that Katura made the wrong move. And I have to admit that like, it is colored by the fact that I clearly did not get the result I wanted, which was for Caleb to just be the cat with nine lives, as Julie called him, and to survive somehow yet another tribal. The other thing that was motivating me is I was kind of here for the beginning of Jake's superhero origin story. Aww. I was just like, I found him so compelling. Like, it was clear this, this switch flipped in his brain. Where he was like, I'm done with people telling me what to do. I'm here to play Survivor. I'm here to take the raids. And it just reeked of like Batman's origin story or something to me. Like it felt like such a moment. I don't know. I found it really compelling. I just, the way he would look at the camera and he sort of did this thing where he would like tilt his head down and look up at the camera in this determined way. And I was like, wow, nothing is going to stop this man. And so (laughs) I was so ready for his sort of masterminding to be fulfilled and successful at Tribal Council. And that really, it really took the wind out of my sails. I thought you were pro Jake. I, thought I you were was pro Jake. I thought he had a great moment. I didn't think this was his best moment. This moment actually gave me the ick. Where he, he was like, it's time for me to take control of this game. And I was like, is it? Like, what have you done to inform that you should be in control of this game? Like, to me, it felt really random and self-aggrandizing where I was like you have not to the viewer's knowledge based on this production done anything particularly meaningful (laughs) to contribute to this plot so I don't know why today of all days you think you're gonna do something because you've not to my knowledge built any relationships to actually do anything but like go off like if you think today's your start I love that also Katora I once again knew the moment Jake fucked up like I knew where that vote was going because there's no other way it could go 
It was so obvious. What do you mean? This is because Jake's fault. You knew what Katura was going to do? Yeah. Because of Jake? Because my only thing is, I think Caleb might have made an unforced error here where, in the oh. spirit of transparency, he wanted to tell her about the Bruce idol. But that ended up just making her feel like she was on the outs on Bello. And I no. kind of think that's what swayed her deciding with Reba. I disagree. I think Caleb, she was fine. Okay. Like, they talked to Caleb. It was cool. She was double-checking her information with Jake. If Jake had just said, oh, yeah, he, like, definitely has the idol and just left it at that, it would have been fine. Instead, he basically told on himself and the rest of the tribe that they were all out against her. He didn't need to say that. You could have kept that to yourself. You yourself were like, oh yeah, when I was digging in the dirt, that was all a scam. Everybody else was digging. This was all a scam against you. Where if you just said, oh yeah, I somehow found out that Bruce had an idol, she wouldn't have asked for more information. You instead were like, actually, this was an entire plot to defraud you. And then what, who... Like, even if I don't know where my game was going, what I'm not going to do is align myself with the four people who went and smiled in my face and also were in cahoots against me before we even got to this island, unbeknownst to me. So I'm like, I have to vote you out because otherwise it looks crazy. So you're saying that Jake gave too much detail. Way too much detail. His role in the conspiracy. He was like, oh, ha, 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 the ring thing, so funny, ha, ha, ha. She was like, yeah, ha, 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 I'm voting you out. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Here's my only thought there is the reason why I think Katura ended up making, to me, like, there was a contrast in Kelly and Katura. We saw in Kelly sort of a master class of separating your emotions from the strategic game. I think Katura kind of made an emotionally driven decision. Definitely. Based on the fact that she was betrayed by the Bellow Alliance. My concern is she's not going to get any credit from Reba for this. She didn't forge a new alliance. She just alienated her current alliance. But I feel like she's fine with that. I think she's just betting on herself. And it's kind of like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but this was some mess. And we'll go figure it out. And I actually think this might be good because the Survivor castaways never learn to just vote out their swing votes so that there are no swing votes. And then to just duke it out head to head. So now she's an open swing vote to take Caleb's place along with Emily. So she voted out her swing vote, created a new swing vote, and now they're not going to vote out her or Emily. Because they're both going to be like, so sorry, Katora, like, uh, sorry, we defrauded you. And the other people are going right. to be like, oh, Katora, come on over here. Like, ah, ah, ah. So this, I feel like, is a way more clear pathway than if she stayed with her Bellow Alliance. The second Bruce was gone, she was next. Yeah. I mean, I hope you're correct. I hope you're correct. I hope Katora, is... I'm rooting for you. I... Lord knows I'm rooting for Katora. <laughs> I have her make it to the final four and potentially spearheading an all-women's alliance, which I feel like she is backed into a corner now where she needs to change up the Reba Bello paradigm and create sort of a new de facto separation of powers in this game. Um, But now, Kayla, why don't we take this opportunity to gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal? If you don't already know, Mock Tribal is when your typically agreeable hosts spit fire and spare no feelings as we disagree on a survivor subject of some controversy. Kayla, what's on the docket this week? On the docket, should Survivor spoil parts of Tribal Council with these flash forwards? What is your view on this unprecedented use of the flash forward in the Survivor? I thought it was fun. This was fresh. This was new. Um, I don't think it ruined it. And honestly, when 
it becomes clear to the producers and likely to their audience instead of every week trying to spin up that there is some will they won't they at tribal which I'm sure some weeks it is more than others but if it's really aligned around two people then might as well flash forward and let people know that this is the final two and let the speculation be around like which who votes for who and like what that says because you're really turning the audience's attention in a new direction because it must be so boring week after week to know in your heart of hearts that Sifu's going home this whole time and trying to like edit around that instead of just being like here's what's happening go for it yeah okay so disclosure I completely agree with Kayla <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of taking the wind out of the sails of Mock Tribal here but I'm gonna try to mount the opposition because because the fans know at this point they'll they would call bullshit on my take anyway. I, I, any <laughs> risks that the editing room is taking, I'm here for. Like this is season 45 of Survivor. For God's sakes, try something new. Keep it fresh. Having said that, um, you know, I guess what I'd ask you, Kayla, if I'm playing devil's advocate, sure, is nothing sacred. Ugh, a purist. Survivor ep- episodes since time immemorial have ended with. <laughs> Tribal Council. The reveal, You're doing so much right now. <laughs> the reveal of the votes that is the culmination of all the action we get in an entire episode. We only get this experience once a week. And, you know, much like in a religious ceremony, we end by lighting candles, saying a prayer. You know, it's very ritualistic. To me, I want to end my Survivor with Tribal Council. I don't want it halfway through a 90-minute episode. This is... Your take just reminded me of the TikTok where it's like, I'm tired of this, Grandpa. And yeah. then it's like, that's too damn bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I guess you could end with that. But how boring. Do yeah. you, people want your ad revenues down. People aren't staying for that. We know how it's ending. Yeah. And I will say that, yeah, I mean, as I said, I don't agree with what I just said. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> listeners. This episode did have me on the edge of my seat, in part because of the flash forward. Like, yes. the flash forward hood- hoodwinked me into thinking that, like, Jake's plan was going to work. Also, the music, like... Can we talk, can we talk the about the music? was everything for that Let's forward. talk about the music, because we haven't talked about the music this season. They're going all in. I love it. It's working. I think it's completely working. <laughs> it, it's working from the moment the episode drops. Like, mm-hmm. even with the previously on, they're, yes. like... They've got, like, their dubstep going, and, like, it's crescendoing. Like, it's completely working for me. I have no qualms. It's tension. There's a mood being built. It's it's amazing. I enjoyed it, and it's preying upon me and my 15-second TikTok mind. Like, it kept me engaged. There we go. All right, so before we get to our fun and games in honor of Merge Madness, we're going to talk about our favorite segment here, run our favorite segment, Survivors on the Move. So, Kayla, whose stock was rising for you this week? Definitely Kelly, like yeah. master class in navigating folks who are difficult to navigate. She's doing the Lord's work, like truly amazing, beautiful, love it. Yeah, plus one on Kelly. I, I don't even want to introduce another name. No. She's clearly Kelly, the victor. Kelly, you're top of the pyramid this week. Congratulations. Yeah. Whose stock was falling for you this week? And and feel free to say Kendra. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm my tongue is very powerful and I'm not about to speak into existence yep, yep. the fact that my number one player could be doing poorly today. I think she was momentarily getting voted out. Yes, but that's not the point. That's yep. not the point at all. Um, I think the person whose stock is falling is 
Jake because people, one, might realize he ran his mouth and basically blew up their own alliance. That's how I would like this to go. Also, Austin, because people were throwing around that he was playing scared, and that's never where you want to be as you start adding folks to the jury around this time. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, this is the time to segue into our points update. So last episode, we laid out who our predictions were for the top 12 finishers and our sole survivor predictions. Uh, Just to give folks a quick refresh, I have Kelly as my sole survivor (laughs) pick, and Kayla has Kendra. Now, I have to give it up for my fellow co-host here because Kayla... Right out of the gates, you had Sifu being eliminated as the 12th contestant of Survivor, and you were on the money. Got him! Three points to Kayla for that pick. Now, uh, I also have three points, but in a more roundabout fashion. I had Caleb exiting as my number 12, so I got two points for that. And then I had Sifu exiting as number 10, so I got one point for that. So Kayla, right out of the gates, we are dead even in this competition. Couldn't even get a little leg up. No, you tried. You tried really hard, but no. It's three to three, so I'm really excited for how these predictions are going to shake out. Mm. And speaking of how these predictions are going to shake out, Kayla, I have an idea to pitch to you about the stakes associated Uh. with our competition. Um, Essentially, the person who loses... Why are you looking at me so hard as you say loses? Well, the person who loses this year is going to have to read a book. That's not too bad, right? Kayla, actually read it? Listeners, I'm going to pull up a web page here. And Kayla, I just want you to read aloud some of what I've got going here. I should say the web domain is jeffprobst.com. Oh, my God. Stranded. The New York Times best-selling adventure series for middle school kids. Good, that means it's short. Stranded is nonstop adventure. If your kids love Survivor, they'll love this book. Mark Burnett, executive producer of Survivor. (laughs) (laughs) And the next quote. (laughs) I know why you picked this. An epic adventure for the young adventurer in all of us, Bear Grylls. So I think that if you'll bear with me, listeners, I think I want Kayla to read one line on a summary of this book, which I'll go ahead and reveal now was written by our very own Jeff Probst. Kayla, why don't you read from that line? A week ago, the biggest challenge Vanessa, Buzz, Carter, and Jane had was leaning learning to live as a new blended family what is going on now the four siblings must find a way to work together if they're going to make it off the island but first they've got to learn to survive one another yeah so welcome to stranded this is the first book in may i add the five book series that jeff probst wrote based on the original cbs original tv series survivor come out i know and (laughs) when did it become a new york times bestseller it's a good question it's all in the pre-orders must be (laughs) so yeah my vote for the stakes if you agree kayla is that the loser of this competition has to read the first book i'm into this the first book of jeff probst's original series once you said it was a little ya novel say less yeah ya let's go (laughs) it's lord of the flies for modern times I'm here for it. Okay, folks, you've heard it here. Um, and, you know, feel free to support Jeff Probst on Amazon. It's available on Kindle, hardcover, paperback. I've checked Amazon. Uh, read the Stranded series. New York Can Times I get it on an audiobook? Ooh, if Jeff was reading it. That would be. If Jeff was re- if Jeff is reading it, then I'm listening to it, too. How too, much too. money do I have to pay him on Cameo to do a full reading of his first Stranded novel. It's Jeff Probst on Cameo. That's yeah. probably like a $10,000. That's probably, right I, I was going to say 100. I was going to say 100. 100,000? 
to get him to record an audiobook for you personally? That's some fan service. Jeff, call me BB. All right, friends, it's my time to shine. You know what that means. Fun and games. Fun and games for Merge Madness. Okay, we're starting a show of four parts. The first part, Counting Confessionals, where your lovely co-hosts, actually, I think, perhaps just me, (laughs) guess and see who had the most screen time this season. Isaac, did I get that right? Yeah, pretty much. So confessionals refer specifically to those moments where you're looking directly at the camera and reflecting on the game as it is. Love. So I think it's a pretty good metric of who the producers are regarding are the main characters of season 45. We're seeing this season through their eyes. So Kayla, first question for you. I want you to name the top three confessional features among the cast of this season. And this includes players who have been eliminated. It could potentially include those players. It could potentially include those players. Yeah, so give me your top three. I would say Bruce, Emily, and Caleb. All right. Well, I'm happy to inform you that you got two of the top three. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'll give myself that. Caleb is number one, followed by Emily. Those are the top two. The only one that, and it makes sense, right? Lulu was losing yeah, Lulu so was much. Yeah, Lulu was literally getting their butts handed we to We have seen a lot of Lulu. Bruce did not quite crack the top three, however. Any guesses as to who might have might have been third? Can I have a hint? Yeah, sure. Um... Your hint is that I was... Oh, yeah, okay. Your hint is that this is a person who may not be of the right build to win a pole clasping <laughs> challenge. Is it Tifa? No, no. Oh, good guess. Actually, I give you a, t- a tough hint. There's one other person you referenced as not being of the, the correct The tall build. one. Yeah. What's his name? Dean. How many times an episode do I have to remind you of this man's name? What is it? It's Drew. Drew. It just doesn't stick. There are some names where I'm like, I'm never going to know your name, and I just need to be okay with that. Caleb and Emily, I'm not surprised by. Drew, I'm like, we're kind of seeing Survivor Season 45 through the eyes of Drew. I don't really think I feel like I've seen that much of Drew. I agree. He's the sleeper. If anything, I was going to pick Sabaya. I felt like we saw way more of Sabaya Uh, than we did of Drew, but also she's been gone a couple episodes, so I figured it couldn't be her just because. Yeah, she is. She has the highest number of confessionals among people who have been voted out by a healthy margin. So when she was here, she was... She was was, getting that screen time. She was center stage, yeah. All right, well, that's counting confessionals. What do we got next, Kayla? We have Jeff's Besties. So this portion of the episode is inspired by, if you have not seen this, the person who I who is not playing Survivor currently, who I think I've referenced most on this show, Eliza Orleans. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's one of my favorite Twitter followers. So it was Jeff's birthday this past week. And so a bunch of Survivors wishing him a happy birthday. You know, Eliza posts this throwback photo of her... Just like throwing it back with Jeff at Ponderosa after her season. And people in the comments were like, damn, didn't know Jeff got down like that. (laughs) And then she responded and was like, if you're on one of his favorite seasons, then like he definitely does. So my question to you, Isaac, is one, do you think 
you're getting the vibe that this is one of Jeff's favorite seasons. And two, let's say everyone's back at Ponderosa. Who is Jeff sipping pina coladas with? You get two people because I believe there were two other folks in that photo. Okay. Um, you know, Jeff hates a quitter. He just hates a quitter. So I just don't think that there's any recovering this episode, this season from him. I will say, you know, since the merge or the fake merge, whatever you want to call it, this season has really turned around. So is it possible it goes on a run of quality enough to win over Jeff's estimation as a famous season? Maybe, maybe, but I really don't think it's very likely. So my answer to that part of the question is going to be no. Who is Jeff getting down with among the cast of this season? Ponda replay comes on. Yeah. Who's he pulling to the floor? Who's he pulling to the floor? Um, I have two candidates. Good. Um, their names are Sabaya and Emily. No! I know. <laughs> two very different vibes. Here's the thing. Jeff loves a villain on Survivor, and he loves a personal growth story. It's been a long time since we've found a contestant on Survivor who combines both of those better than Emily. Mm. She became, she started as the most hateable. She ends as the most likable. Jeff is just sort of like, I'm here for the human experience. And I think Emily represents a sort of diversity of vibes that he would find really appealing. Diversity of vibes. Diversity of vibes. Look it up. Look it up. Look it up. Sabaya, I'm saying because I think Sabaya is here for a good time. (laughs) I think Sabaya is like, the life of the party is my guess. Like, and I think Jeff would be sort of feel a little bit threatened by like a Caleb's energy. Yeah. The life of the party. A, yeah. But, I see that. But Sabaya, I think it would be more of a complimentary injury and uh, complimentary energy. So I think they would be getting down. Oh, I liked this. Give me your kid, your candidates though. It's so funny. I came up with this question. I didn't even think about who the answer could be. Yeah. Okay. I'm saying he's pulling mama Julie to the floor Whoa. because why not you know sure you're of the same generation like you're doing the little macarena together i don't <laughs> macarena. Hate it. i don't hate it and i think she would i think she'd be open to it i think she'd be like this is a lot of fun oh, we saw her artistic it. side in the bonus scene of the week and so i was like okay into it into it who am i picking as my second person yeah give it to us hmm oh i think i'm taking brandon what? Yeah. And almost quit? Yeah. Almost quit. I do not see Jeff and Brandon getting along in any social situation. Listen, the pina coladas are flowing. Okay. He and Brandon have an arc, an enemies to friends arc. Ooh. They've met over the punch bowl. Okay. They both hear their favorite song, It's Destiny's Child, and they're <laughs> out on the floor together. Not Destiny's Child. It. Picture it. No, I have to say, I've never started more skeptical and ended more sure. I think you're completely <laughs> right. I think Jeff would enjoy feeling like the sort of bigger man and bridging the ridge. The exactly. Rift, the rift that formed in their relationship. Viewers, please write in and tell us. Jeff Probst is bringing to the Ponderosa dance floor. Let us know, folks. All right, Kayla, our next game. Give it to us. Guess who? A crowd favorite. So your lovely co-hosts have been wanting to play this game for a while. We both picked two facts, and the other person doesn't know who these facts are about, and we will have to guess who this fact applies to of the current season 45 castaways. Isaac? Your first facts, please. All right, so Kayla, here's your first fun fact. Guess who is a member of the inaugural class of the first joint Sino-American University in China? 
Did you follow that statement? (laughs) Barely. (laughs) This is like the first sort of like joint China-American university that ever existed, bringing together both nations, historically on opposite sides of geopolitical conflicts. Um, Okay. I'm going to say Caleb just because he's like Canadian. Close. Who is it? It's Emily. Ah, that actually makes sense. Which you would think would have equipped her with skills from the get of being able to like bring together and get on the I right like, side. I said literally cut this out. I literally just said he's Canadian and this is a Sino-American university. Do not publish this. It's too late. It doesn't matter. You could be any nationality. Who is our producer? <laughs> out immediately all right okay let's go with the next fun fact here okay guess who among the survivor contestants has the favorite hobbies of golf and boxing golf and boxing two pretty different hobbies d Ooh, i like that guess i like that guess a lot incorrect one one more guess i'm gonna guess again i was certain it was d I'm trying to think who lives in a climate that would allow you to golf, like, a significant amount. Oh, that's kind of smart, yeah. Mm. Golf and boxing. Yeah. Mm. I'll bail you out. I'll bail you out. Okay, bail me out. It's Bruce. Ah, fuck. I think you've blocked Bruce out of your mind. Literally, Bruce was not even in my... I kind of get it. I kind of get it. He's always talking about football. I could see him being a golfer, too. Yeah, dad's golf. Yeah, dad's golf. There you go. All right. Okay, now your turn. Yep. Who scuba dived the Great Barrier Reef? My top two... I I have a top two here. Okay. My top two are Julie and Austin. I'm going to guess Austin first. Oh my god, it is Austin! You're so good at these. The guy looks like he was born in the water. <laughs> like he, he could be cast as like Poseidon in like a movie. <laughs> wow, hell yeah. Okay. You should check out his Instagram. The flicks are pretty cool. I believe um, it. I believe it. Okay. The second person liked this tweet on Twitter. The tweet was, okay. the marginal returns of spending time with you will never diminish. This was a Valentine's Day tweet. Whoa. Okay, so a Survivor contestant liked a tweet that said this about Valentine's Day. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, it's giving English major. Um, hmm. This is... Oh, oh. Is it Kendra? No. Ugh. Guess again. Okay. Is it... Kelly? No, it is our motley fool, Miss Emily. Really? Yes. Emily, you softy. I know. I was like, her Twitter, all finance, except for this little gem, finance adjacent Valentine. Good find. A heart of gold. Okay. Very nice. All right, friends. We've made it to part four of four of Fun and Games. Can you see I'm thriving? I love a Fun and Games podcast. Let's go. Okay. Fan favorite, most likely two. We're going to run down five options, some survivor-oriented, some not. What castaway is most likely to do this thing? Opening up with most likely to be a PC user. Isaac. Drew. 
That was so fast. Drew. Drew, like, do you do you remember I'm the PC, I'm a Mac commercial? Yes. Drew is giving the I'm a PC guy. Fire. I'm going to say Brando because he, like, oh. was talking about gaming, and you can't run a lot of games that people play on Macs, despite what Apple will have you believe. I think I did, we identified the top two candidates for that. <laughs> okay, number two. Most likely to run for office. Ooh. I'm between Emily and Bruce. I'm going to say Bruce because you know he would believe he could do it. Bruce would absolutely delude himself. Yes. Into thinking he can and Self-delusion should. is sort of the central thing you need to be a politician. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go Kendra. I could see her on like a, little, a little local government. Like Green Party vibes? Yeah, you're just fighting. You're fighting to sure. make sure we have closed streets, so we have quiet street hours. Someone needs to teach astrology More bike in lanes. schools. Yeah. Leave Kendra alone. <laughs> okay, read out our next one, Isaac. All right. The most likely season 45 contestant to host Survivor as Jeff Probe's successor. This one's so hard. It always is hard. It's the hardest one. I think this one is going to go to Brandon. He really had the heart, and I know he dropped out, but I think, unlike Jeff, he'll have a lot of sympathies for people who feel they can't hack it on the island, even though it's their dream. And he also just posted a picture with Sari, one of Survivor's most loved contestants, so he's already in the network. I mean, just to be clear, you think the sort of, like, geeky-vibed, long-haired yes. nerd is going to succeed Jeff Probst? Yes. I said it with my whole chest, too. Wow. Um, listeners, please write in specifically <laughs> about that take that happened just now at this time on this date. <laughs> that is a very interesting take. Okay. I am going to go with Julie. Aw. I think that the natural successor to Jeff Probst is someone who uncovered a new spirit of adventure in their life as a result of Survivor, you Aww. know? And I think Julie could be that person. That's so sweet. I hope it's Julie. Yeah. Aw. Got him. Okay. Yeah, you ate that. <laughs> All right. Who is the most likely among our Survivor 45 contestants to cry at a family letter? I think D. honestly. I felt like she was crying just looking at that poll. <laughs> can we talk about, can we talk about D saying the poll represented the American, <laughs> the American dream, folks. I was like, bro. <laughs> Never say that challenge didn't have stakes. <laughs> She was holding on to the... I thought you could tell it's hot and they're not eating. Yeah. <laughs> Man, this is a poll. Yeah. This is a Wendy's. And I have to say, the funniest thing about that scene to me was how here for it Jake was in particular. Yes. He was like... <laughs> Jake was like, you bet your ass your family is proud of you. Like, he was here for Your this... number one supporter. <laughs> yeah. He was there cheering on the sidelines of the American dream. His favorite genre. All right, Kayla, last but not least... The most likely Survivor 45 contestant to win the Amazing Race. I'm and you're the expert here. I'm loving all the Amazing Race crossover content. Um, I think the most likely to win the Amazing Race would be Caleb, just because he seems Ooh. like he's good at everything. And the Amazing Race really is one of those things where if you can execute the challenges flawlessly, pretty much nothing else will matter and you'll at least make it to either the Europe or Asia, like depending on what side of the country they started on. Yeah, so are there situations in The Amazing Race where you kind of have to, like, talk your way into things? Because if so, I do feel like, Caleb, like, like do you have to, like, negotiate with a rickshaw driver? Yes, you do need to do that. Yeah. You also need to, like, convince people to hand you their phone so that you can look up a map 
to give to your taxi driver or to know where you're going. And a lot of it is just having someone in your party that's extroverted enough and to successfully do that. Yeah, I think that is probably the correct answer. I am going to suggest uh, Kendra because yeah, I think Kendra so is someone who has zero qualms about going up to strangers and asking them where she needs to go. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it doesn't matter what language they speak or what her context is. She is going to go up there and make friends. Okay, I'm looking who we haven't mentioned in this episode because that means they're probably kind of boring. Ooh. Sifu. Yeah. Jay Maya. Okay. Jake to some extent. And honestly, Austin. I feel like are the folks that we're just... Yeah, we're passing over. We're passing over. Fair enough. Something to keep in mind. May not reflect well on them. Sure. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us for a special edition, Merge Madness edition of this week's episode. We know we've run a a little long, so I appreciate you bearing with us. Uh, And that's going to be all from us this week. If you want to share your fire takes and if you want to participate in any of our fun (laughs) and games, we'd love to hear them. Shoot us an email at outwitoutplayoutpod at gmail.com. We'd love to read those on the podcast. And if you're enjoying our show, spread the word. Tell a friend about us and rate us on your favorite podcasting app. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next Friday with a, another edition of Outwit Out Play Out Pod. <laughs> but until next time, the tribe has spoken, and so have we.